0: You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Okay, just so nobody's disappointed, um, I'm not talking about communion this morning. (laughs) Um, I guess Andy and I mix wires on that. But he does know what I'm talking about, so. Um, Like he said, most of you know me. I think half of you are related to me. So... um, you know, but but you've seen me I guess over the years maybe, but I I this hasn't been my home church since i like, 10 years. Um but my family first came to church here. I want to say it was in 1995. Who was here in 95? Yeah. Okay. Um, I was in 5th grade then and and that's before Kim and Andy were here. They came what the next year. 97, so Andy was my youth pastor coming up, Um, and then I went off to to college at Oral Roberts University with the goal in mind to be a preacher. Um, I went, studied, got a degree in biblical studies. Of course, I didn't know what that was, which is funny, right? (laughs) You go thinking you're going to study something, and then, like, well, I thought we were going to sit together in class and open the Bible and read it and discuss what it meant? No. Um, not at all. But that's e- even once my, my kind of world was open to it and my thoughts were shifted, I thought, this is what the church needs. This is definitely what I'm called to do, is to bring this to the church. Um, then I got out of school. It took me a couple years longer than I had hoped it would, um, but by the time I finished, I came back here. It was 2010. I met my beautiful wife, Penny, got married, and then in an attempt to get rid of some of that student loan debt, I joined the Army <laughs> and spent three and a half years in the Army. While I was there, it was still my goal to get out and pursue ministry. I, I used my benefits earned a master's degree in pastoral counseling, and that was the path forward. Well, as my time in the Army is is coming near, I certainly don't want to stay there, and I'm trying to figure out where it is God's calling me to go, how I'm going to pursue ministry. And I started to do a little bit of math. I started to look at my resume, and it didn't look good. It didn't feel right you know, because the amount of money I think I need to make and the type of job that is going to pay me that amount of money, one, I don't have the resume for at this point, and two, those types of churches are not really what I want to call home, right? So I I was in a a, a difficult spot. I could do what I had done in the Army, which was public health, which I I don't want to do, you know. I, I will if I need to, but I was really just trying to figure out what my path forward was going to be and what God was calling me to do. And it was right about that time, um, the way my Army career came to an end was really a a story, excuse me, of God's goodness. And if you want to hear it, you can come ask me about it, I'll tell you. Um, But long story short, I wasn't supposed to get the GI Bill coming in to get them to pay my loans, that was sort of the, the trade-off, right? So on the, on the back end, once we decided to trust God, then I realized I was going to get this job Bill and that was going to allow me to go back to school. And that's when I decided to go to law school. And even then, because that, let me back up a little bit. When I was 18 and I left town here, it was, I was either going to go to study law or I was going to go to seminary. And I, I chose ministry because that's what I felt called to do. But it sort of came full circle for me that I felt that path open up. And even once I had taken my entrance exams and applied to schools and done all this, I mean, it's a, it's a months-long process. I was still torn because I still felt called to do ministry. And I had all this education and money spent and time invested in this experience. And, you know, I felt like maybe I was... Skirting around my calling, maybe I wasn't having enough faith to do what God had called me to do. And then, pretty simply, God just revealed to me that you can be called, of course, we all know this, but I had to come, I had to, come to feel this. You can be called to ministry, and it doesn't have to be your job. It doesn't have to be my job. You know, now I can go and, and, and be financially secure and minister however God calls me to do, wherever and whenever, and as an added bonus, I get to tell the truth. You know. So, while while we've been away, finding a, a home church was uh, was difficult. How many of you have ever had to go to a new place and find a new church? Like not a new church in the same community, but a new place in a new church. It's tough, right? Because what you find is you go, you don't know anybody, you have no comfort, no relationships, no history, no role there. And for people like me that grew up in church, that's a weird experience. And you start to see church a little bit differently. You start to analyze why you're coming a little bit differently. Your motivation for being there all of a sudden is different. And you start to ask yourself, especially Sunday morning at 8 o'clock when the alarm goes off, why am I going? And some for, for me, for us, it started to feel at many places like an obligation, like we need to we need to be in church somewhere. But if, if at the same time I'm fighting in my mind, going, if I don't enjoy going, if I'm not receiving anything, in fact, if it just kind of makes me mad to be there, why am I going? Anybody ever? Anybody? Can anybody identify with that? Yes. Hopefully not here. <laughs> she said school. <laughs> yeah. So. So that experience led me to ask a lot of questions about church. You know, theologically, I had asked these questions, and now I was getting to experience it and say, why do we do what we do? And what are we supposed to be doing, maybe is the better question. But the question I want to start with is, uh, is church really necessary? Because that's what, I, I was somebody who, for long stretches of time, didn't go. You know, I would try. We would go somewhere for two weeks and then not go and go here for a week and then not go. And so in battling with myself, I'm like, well, is it necessary for me to go then? If I can't find what I want, is it necessary for me to go, right? So the obvious answer to that question, is church really necessary as what? No. The, The key there is necessary, right? Necessary for what? Can you be a Christian and and not go to church? Yes. Can you have a relationship with God and not go to church? Yes. Can you have a relationship with God's people and not go to church? So I ask again is church necessary? You still want to say yes, don't you? (laughs) All right. But it, you know, on some sense, though, like this is not the temple of the Old Testament where God literally lives, that if you want to meet with God, you have to come here. This is not, um, this is not a knock, but this is not the Catholic Church that says you have to come here and receive the sacraments or salvation is going to be ineffective for you. That's not what we believe, right? We don't actually believe that you have to come here. So then why do we do it? Why do we feel compelled to do it? And better yet, why does God tell us to do it if it's not a necessity? Um, and, you know, and this, these were things I was working through because it just because it's not necessary doesn't mean it's unnecessary right it doesn't mean it's optional and it doesn't mean that it's not God's design for us so then what is the purpose and the key question for me here is not why do we come you know like why do you come to church because that matters but ultimately it doesn't really matter right my question is, what should we do? If we step back and say, this isn't necessary for me, but it's God's design, then why? What is that design and what is that purpose? What is it intended to do if it's not necessarily for my salvation, it's not for my relationship with the Lord necessarily? What is it for? So let's, let's get our first clue. We have First uh, Corinthians 12. And as you, as you turn there, when I was writing this up, I thought about it as a clue, right? And it, who's ever done an escape room? Okay, for those of you who, who don't know what it is, <laughs> it, they lock you in a room and there's little hidden clues all over the place and you just got to find them and, dis- and, and discern them, lead you to the next clue and finally get you out of the room. And several of us went and did one a couple weekends ago. It was Penny and I, Kim and Andy and, and Spud and Kiki, Buddy and, uh, and Mindy. And before we went in, we felt pretty good about ourselves. You know, we got a handful of, of college degrees between us, and, and uh, we thought we were gonna get in there. And they'll give you clues. If you get stuck, you get a clue, and you get three of them. And it was about, what, seven minutes in, we're going, hey, can we get our first clue? Because we don't have any idea what it is we're doing in here. So let's look at our, our first clue here. Um, I think the whole chapter is going to come up, but we're going to start in verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another by faith, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles. It goes on to say prophecy, discernment of spirits, various kinds of tongues, interpretation of tongues. And then in verse 11, all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses. Now we're going to keep going. I'm going to lay this sort of foundation, and then we're going to come back and, and highlight a little bit. So verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all are members of, of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. That is, that's wordy. Um, for in the one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and we were all made to drink of the one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member but many. If the foot would say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear would say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. Therefore, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Now, If you're still following, we're going to jump down to verse 26. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Right? I know that's wordy, but we're going to use all of that. So let's look specifically at verse 7. Right. And I don't know if we have this on the slide or not. If you don't, don't worry about it. But it says, for each is given, essentially, a spiritual gift, a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good, right? Each one of us, once we receive salvation, you receive the Holy Spirit, with that is a, what's called a manifestation of of the Spirit in you. That's a spiritual gift. Each and every one of us has that, at least one manifestation of the Spirit, and it's given for the common good. And look down at verse 21. Each of us have a gift. Each of us belong to the body. You know, the I cannot say because, I forget how it says it, but I like to say the I can't say because I'm not a foot, I'm not part of the body. At the same time, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And what that means for us, obviously, is each one of us looks at the other and says, The gift in you, I need it. And the gift in me, you need it. That's the intention for the common good. So we can see that is the sort of the basic purpose, right? That we each have a gift for the common good. But what is that really? look like? You know, because how often do you come to church, it's just kind of a regular Sunday, you know what's going to happen already, you do it, you might like it, you might not, it may touch you, it may not, and then where are we going to eat lunch, right? Let's, let's just be real. But then there's those times that you come and you need something, right? I mean, you need to meet with God that day. There, there is something necessary in you that needs to be met. This is how it's done, right? If, if Andy or whoever is up here and Justin are, are your only source, that is not going to be sufficient. One, because it's just logically not sufficient, and two, that's not how God's designed it. Right? What we need is what each of us have. You know, but obviously, that requires each of us to know we have it and to move in it, to have that complete body moving as God intended it to move and meeting our needs. So, I want to turn real briefly to 1 Corinthians 14, verse 26. and this is this is Paul addressing how the spiritual gifts should be should be done um, in an orderly fashion, but i I'll read it and then I'll, I'll tell you why I'm reading it. What should be done then, my friends, when you come together, each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation, a tongue, or an interpretation. Let all things be done for building up. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be only one or two at most, three in each in turn, and let each And let one interpret. But if there is no one to interpret, let them be silent and speak to themselves and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others weigh what is said. If a revelation is made to someone else sitting nearby, let the first person be silent. For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and be encouraged. And the spirits of prophets are subject to the prophets. For God is not a God of disorder, but peace. Now, I read that not to say that's how we should do church. I don't, that's not Paul giving a model for this is what your Sunday should look like. What he's addressing is in that specific church, they were all just sort of going at the same time. And Paul said, look, that's not the point. The point is that it's supposed to benefit everybody. you know. So however you do it, do it to benefit everyone. But I really like, too, that he's saying it's not just that there's a prophet here. There's not just you know somebody who does this and somebody who does that. It, it can be tons of different people, you know. I, 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 I promise you that, like, let me, hold on. So, you know, that's actually my next point. If you come and you have a, a, a tongue, right, that you think is, is for the church, if you have a prophecy that is for the church, if you have a general word of knowledge that is for the church, guess what? There's a microphone right here. Right? I wouldn't say just come and snag it, but you know, Andy's always right here. or so, you know, Somebody's up here to say, hey, this is what God's put on my heart. This is what I think. You know? Let him hear it, and then by nine times out of ten, you get up and say it. Right? There's access for it, for God to move that way. But a lot of these gifts are not necessarily from the front gifts. They're just person to person. You, know? you come and you pray, and you've been seeking the Lord and asking about the other members of the body, and God may put somebody on your heart. And then it's up to you to go to that person and say, hey, this is what God told me to tell you. Right. You know, it's, it's, it's simple but not simple, right? But it's simple. So, and, and two, you think that not all gifts are necessarily, thus saith the Lord from right here at the front. This isn't all we do. You know, we've heard it this morning. We have intercessory prayer. That's huge you know, and a lot of you need to be there interceding for yourself, the church, the community, other members of the church and allow God to speak to you in that time. You know, we have the Wednesday night groups. That's that's not just like an extra thing, that's church. That's, that's part of the life of the church. That's what we do. Um, you know, we do things like Second Saturday and then you just have your relationships with other people in the church. That's necessary. You know. So, you know, before I forget, if I if I don't do this, obviously church is necessary. Right? <laughs> um, I don't you coming up to me later going, "I I, I like I liked most of it, but um, but it's not church that's nec- this is not ne- church is not necessary. The body of Christ is necessary, right? It's necessary for you. It's necessary for me. It's necessary for the community that we move and function as a body. We see the design of that, right? So. I just, that I wanted to lay sort of a knowledge foundation, make sure we're on the same page about that. But the, the real deal, and what we're going to do here fairly soon, is move into a time of prayer and ministry and seeking the Lord and worship as a body, right? And, but I want to take a few minutes and, and talk about why don't we do this, right? In a sense, what's holding us back? Because uh, I know this is not necessarily new information for most of you. all right? half of you have been here since '95. <laughs> you know, so you've you've heard this in some form or another. Uh, what's holding us back? And I I just got a few things on this. One is is not knowing. Some of you genuinely maybe never heard that before. You don't know um, that that's how it's supposed to work. And it, interestingly. Like some of you may not know what your gift is. You may go, well, okay, I'm, I'm open to that, but I don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. I don't know how God moves in me. And, and for some of you, it may be like me or even like my wife where you don't, um, you have the gift and you actually experience it, but you just don't know that's what it is, right? In, in terms of it's so natural to you that God's always done it and you maybe didn't know what it was. And like, like my wife's always had... Um, <clears throat> Dreams. And, sorry, let me get my stuff together. (laughs) Um, But as a kid, you know, she would have that experience and uh, didn't understand it. But then, you know, growing up, getting older, God starts to speak specifically and confirming those things, and you start to see, now, this isn't just how I work or how I function or what my brain does. This is God moving and speaking, and it's and it's not always just God going, hey, I just thought you ought to know this, you know. It's for a purpose. It's it's to be shared. It's, it's God revealing something. You know, sometimes personally, sometimes in your own life, but but oftentimes for the common good, right? And what it did for me is I've always had a very logical brain, right? My mom is back there, and she told me when I was four years old, I should go and be a lawyer, right? And I thought that's, I I look at situations, I analyze them, it just makes sense to me. I just see and know and feel things about stuff, and I just thought that's how my brain works, you know, it was just, it just felt too obvious to me, and I didn't want to be hokey about it and say, well, you know, what God told me, you know, that's not, just say what you think. Don't, you don't have to always say that's what God said, you know. But I've realized, especially when things are confirmed with what God tells her and she tells me, that that's God speaking to me. That is God revealing things to me that are intended to be shared, because when I feel like, well, that's just, that's just my opinion, you know, about what God told me, say, about Joseph. If, if I just think it's my opinion, I'm not recognizing it, I won't tell him, right? Because Joe doesn't necessarily care about what my opinion on his life is, She Joe said, that's right, <laughs> you know? But if I go to him and I say, hey, this is what God showed me, he's going to listen. He's at least going to weigh it. He wants to hear it, you know? So long-winded way of saying some of us just don't know. Either you don't know what your gift is, or maybe you just haven't recognized what it is, the way God moves in your life. Second is fear, right, all kinds of fear, fear of being wrong, fear of being not taken seriously, getting out of your comfort zone, like crying in front of all you people, (laughs) you know, getting up here in the front to say something. It's really not that bad, right? No one's thrown anything at me yet, nobody's, they say yet, you know. He said, say church isn't necessary again, you're out of here. Um, you know, but that, as I was writing this down, God specifically told me, you know, if that's you and you, you know what God's called you to do and God tells you things about people sometimes and you just have a fear, you know, that really what, what God is saying is just move in faith anyway. Sacrifice the way you feel and the fact that it's uncomfortable as an act of faith, and just do it. And see what God does, you know, and a little bit, we're, I, I want, if you don't know what your gift is, and back up, I want you to respond to prayer here in a minute, and if you, if you have that fear, maybe the first step for you to step out is to respond to prayer, and just let's, let's start to deal with that. Some of us just feel unqualified, right? You hear me talking, it makes sense, you think, yeah, okay, but what can I, do? surely not me, right? That's for these other people. That's not for me. God's not going to use me because who am I? If that's how you feel, then really I say good. That's not a bad way to feel. That's a good way to feel because you're kind of out of your own way at that point, aren't you? So when God moves, it's God moving. Um, and some of you need to need to highlight this, write it down, put it in your phone, whatever. 2 Corinthians twelve nine through 10. I believe we have that one. Yes. Because if you feel unqualified, God says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Right? It's an oxymoron, but let it sink in, because it's really not. That's what leads Paul to say, for When I'm weak, I'm strong. You know? In your weakness, in you feeling unqualified, is when God is almost when you're most ripe for God to use you. Does that make sense? Okay. And remember, to each one is given. A gift of the Spirit. To each one. So it's almost like, and Andy said this a few weeks ago, it almost doesn't matter if you feel disqualified or not because you're a member of the body. You've been given a gift. It's for the common good. And what Andy said was, if you don't share it, yeah, you may have this fear or whatever, but it's, almost, it's really selfish, because people need what you have. Some of us then feel disqualified, right? You may not feel unqualified. You know what your gift is. You know how to do it. You know how to use it. Um, you just feel disqualified, like, surely God can't use me now, Right? But simply this, do we have 1 John 1.9? He is faithful and just to forgive us when we confess our sins. Simple, powerful and simple. Some of you today just need to confess some sin. And whatever it is that's holding you back, whatever it is you feel unforgiveness for or a burden for, today, let it go. Because then Psalm 103.12 says, as far as the east is from the west, that's how far he removes that sin from us. Simply put, today... You need it, and you. There's a fresh start for you. I'm right on time. (laughs) Look at that. So I want to do something a little different. And Justin and and the team, you guys can please come up. Um, What I want to do, it's look. It's 11:40, so I left us time, right? No one's got to rush out of here, the kids are fine, um, what I want to do is is start to think about these experiences together when we meet with the Lord as a body, right, as moving and operating in the gift that God has given you for the benefit of everyone else, and at the same time, what everyone else has benefits you, Right? So if one of these things applies to you, if you don't know what your gift is, if you're afraid of it, if you feel unqualified, disqualified, and of course for anything else you want prayer for, I want you to to respond to prayer. And in the meantime, if you don't need prayer, if you feel compelled to minister for these things that I'm talking about, I want you to come up, go ahead and come now and pray for people that are going to respond. If, this, if you get what I'm saying and you feel this and you want to see God move in this way, then please come up and minister to people that respond. And then if none of that else applies to you, we're going we're to go back into worship together. And this is the time to worship, to ask God to be present, to move, and to reveal himself in this way. And start to move amongst us in the spiritual gifts. And if God speaks to you about somebody else or about the church or about yourself, share it. This is that time together. It shouldn't be odd. We, sh- we need to create a culture here where it's not odd, whether it be at 10, 15 in the morning before church, in the middle of worship, right after church, to go up and say, hey, this is what God told me, Right? That's the type of church that I was looking for and couldn't find. And I didn't know what was missing in it, you know. And then it really took that perspective of me being away from from church to see it as a clear picture of what it was. And God has spoken this to me very clearly that in this church, this is how it can be. Does that make sense? Are you guys with me on that? Okay, so I'm going to quit, quit talking to you. Let's seek the Lord together. Let's go back into worship. Let's pray for one another. Let's ask the Lord to move in a mighty way.